What's going on, guys and gals? Welcome to another episode of the Gamescast, of the WorkPrint's Gamescast, brought to you by theworkprint.com. We're now on episode 59, and once again, I'm joined by the producer and my co-host, Bilal. What's up, Bilal? Not much. And you know what? Happy belated Father's Day, Rob. Oh, thank you so much. Happy pre... Uh, I was going to say premature, but I don't want to use that term, <laughs> considering that you're still due. But happy uh, soon-to-be Father's Day to you. Yeah. No, my wife got me a card. It was very nice. Uh, it had a little bear, and there's a bear in utero. Um, so mama and baby bear. It, it was really cute. We... It's a weird thing because when Mother's Day rolled around uh, a few weeks before I went to her and I had the conversation, I was like, what's the expectation for Mother's Day? Are we actually <laughs> like, are we, yeah. are you expecting something from me? Yes or no? Yeah. Because we, we, need, we need to figure this out because every woman is different. <laughs> and so okay. she, she's like, no, but like I got her something small uh, that she wanted that she didn't get from like uh, a wish list. Uh, so I got her that. She got me a card and I always love cards. Um, and so it was good times. Your kids and my wife do anything for you? Uh, yes. My wife basically was like, you can do whatever you want. I had a couple friends over. We went swimming in the pool kind of in the early afternoon. Then in the afternoon into evening, my in-laws came over, went in the pool again, had dinner. And then she just let me play video games for the rest of the night. Um, we do have a guest this week that I want to get to and introduce. But before I, I do that, because you mentioned Mother's Day, it's funny. When Monica was pregnant with TJ, that Mother's Day, we did, we hadn't known yet, right? Because the date of conception would have been like a week before. And so we, I took her around to my family and stuff like that. We're celebrating Mother's Day at my grandma's. And I make the joke at dinner of, hey, guys, we have something to tell you. You should be wishing Monica happy Mother's Day as well. And I did it just being a jerk and joking and stuff like that. And then it turned out that it was prophetic because she was actually <laughs> pregnant at that time. Did anyone um, believe you when you told them after? No, that? nobody. Nobody. Oh yeah, they believed me after actually. Yeah, they. I mean, nobody believed me then and there because I had, you know, done it with a smile and was laughing. But uh, that's why you can't joke about stuff. <laughs> but anyway, so as I mentioned, we do have a guest joining us for the very first time in the third seat is Samir. What's up, Samir? Hey everyone, how's everything going? So, Samir is actually uh, alumni with us from the good old stomping grounds of Newark. Oh, yeah, oh, Brooklyn's yes. Newark? Yes. Yeah. Yes, we... I actually don't... Uh, Samir, I was thinking about this when I invited you onto the podcast. I was trying to remember where we first met. And for as long as I can remember, you were just there. <laughs> like, I, I, don't, I don't even know if there was an introduction for how we yeah. met. I think we, we, like, we're just in the same place at the same time, and we just kind of knew about each other. And we're just like, yes, we're friends. Yes, absolutely. It was uh, Paul Robeson, the student center over there. So just congregated together, had our laptops out, and we're just like, all right. Yeah. Was a nerd, oh, I'm you a both, nerd. You both, you both commuted, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, anybody who mentions Paul Robeson Student Center and meeting people there, that means they commuted. Oh, really? So, yeah. <laughs> There's a whole other world out there. Why would they hang out on campus? <laughs> exactly, right, exactly. And so, but Samir, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself besides the fact that you're an RU uh, alum? What sure. kind of games do you play? What do you do for a living? Um, well, I used to be an accountant and I hated my life. So I ended up going back to school, uh, getting a master's in information systems. And now I'm working as a technologist for a utility company. So that's like a very vague title, but essentially what I do is I work with low code, no code applications, um, 
I have a business problem, then I'll build out a solution using something like Smartsheet or Microsoft Power Apps. I've also started delving a little bit into data analytics, even though it was never my specialty, but just something good to know. So I do a little bit of dashboard creation as well. Um, I guess on my spare time, obviously I love video games, that's why I'm here. Huge Nintendo fan growing up. Uh, love Zelda, was really hyped about the Zelda reveal at E3. Um, but also have a PS5, just finished uh, Resident Evil Village, um, also built a PC, but um, you know, time is tight, so uh, gotta you know pick and choose your games wisely now. Yeah, it's funny. I think all three of us are kind of in that boat where you know I own the Switch, I have a PS5, I have the Series X, and I've got a PC, and you know, three of them hardly get any use, right? Like I have my daily driver and then occasionally I have my weekend car. <laughs> and so, but so, all right, you mentioned that you played uh, Resident Evil Village. What have you been playing lately? I just picked up uh, Final Fantasy VII Intermission. So just started that, loving the new graphics update on that. Got to Forts of Condor and I also stopped right there below. Okay, um, yeah. But, Trying to trying to let that experience last as long as possible because I know it's a short DLC, maybe like seven eight hours. Yeah, they then, said it's about two. It's two chapters. I've seen a, people say they can run through it in about like four to five hours if you concentrate on story alone. Um, yeah, I mean you play as Yuffie who arrives in Midgard during uh, the events of the story. I think before the plate falls. Uh, and you're so, playing as well, right, Blah? I don't know if you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Or you, know, if you just I, I, went I, into explaining. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm, I started it up yesterday. Um, they, they kind of throw you right into it. Uh, Samir, I don't know if uh, you ran into the same issue I did, but the combat was tough. Um, and it took me a, a little bit to get back into the swing of things. There's that one fight with... Um, I think it's a clone uh, or something, and there's like the two wolves, and I died like five times trying to beat them. Yeah, no, I actually struggle at the same part. Um, the battle system for Final Fantasy is, I think it's one of the best 3D uh, fighting systems they've released, but definitely just coming back after a year, it, you know, it's just like you have to really adjust to the different settings and how she plays as a character is completely different than Cloud. So it's very yeah. technical. Yeah, even, um, like, one of the things I've heard from a lot of people is, especially if you play it on hard, um, the intergrade now, I guess, like, the main campaign, is you every you really know, need to know how to play with every character, how to get that stagger meter up on the enemies in order to uh, beat them down uh, and, you know, weaken them to take more damage. Um, yeah, but, like, you, you, like, each character is very unique in how they play. Um, did you actually get to mess around with the Fort Condor minigame? I did. I did. It, it, I don't know. I was very apprehensive about it at first, but honestly, it's just pretty simple. Yeah. Sort of like it, a tower defense type game. Yeah. And and for yeah, and for those not in the know, in the original Final Fantasy VII, Fort Condor was this location once you got to the open world um, that had a weird tower defense minigame. But outside of like one plot point, it didn't really serve anything... In, term, in terms of story significance. And so they turned Fort Condor into, I, I, I guess, a tower defense game that people play for fun uh, in the in world of Final Fantasy. 
Um, I played through the entire thing on normal today. Uh, so I beat the Grandmaster. There's an achievement tied to it, uh, or a trophy in this case, uh, where you have to battle all the way up to the Grandmaster. Um, it's interesting because you get like these little figures that you can buy, and they each it's it's rock paper scissors. There's the the defense unit. There's the art the ranged unit and the attack and there's a, they show you the weapon triangle of like who's strong against who, who's weak against what, and you know it, it's kind of like a mini league or a Dota where you just gotta take down the other person's tower, uh, and it's t the rounds are timed to about like two three minutes, so it goes by quick. And so you guys are both kind of at the same spot in the game. How far into it is that is that portion? And obviously this is the just the add-on. Oh, that's another question. Are you able to jump right into just that extra content? Yeah, okay. you could jump right in. Okay. Yeah, at and the, so at the title far, screen. Yeah, how far of that have you played so far? Uh, probably just an hour in, roughly. So there's a little okay. bit of story. I'm, yeah, because yeah. I'm just curious because I literally two months ago beat Final Fantasy Seven uh, Remake for the first time. It was one of those things where, actually, I guess we're in June now. Maybe it was more than two months ago. But after I had gotten the PlayStation Five and was just looking for games to play uh, i had rented it from gamefly and so i had i had beat it on there and so now i'm wondering if it's even worth it for me to try to get my hands on a copy again to then upgrade it to the ps5 version to then get this dlc and if it's going to be necessary as content wise for whatever comes next and so I'm, I'm curious once you guys are finished that to see what you guys think if it's even worth me going through and and by worth me going through I mean, if it feels like it's going to have a significant impact on the story going forward. If you're just saying that, you know, it's worth it because it's a good time and it's a fun time, thanks, but no thanks. But if you actually feel like it's going to have an impact on the story, it's not something I can't just brush up on quickly, then that's what I want to know. I, I think for me, the, the cool thing is Yuffie was a character in the original Final Fantasy VII that you could have just completely avo avoided picking up. Like if you didn't, you run into her in a random encounter. If you don't uh, answer in the right way, she doesn't join your party. Um, and so um, you could play the entire game without getting her. So like the fact that they introduced her into the story as a character uh, and built her out is, is really neat. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I forget who the writer is, but it's, it's the square team here. Um, you know, shaping that story going forward of this is the new version of Final Fantasy VII, the story they want to tell. Uh, and I think that's really cool. It feels nice to be back in uh, Midgar. I'll say yeah. that uh, for sure. It looks prettier. The lighting is great. Uh, Samir, a question for you. What mode are you playing on for graphics option? I am playing on performance mode. Okay. So, uh, you know, normally I like doing graphics actually in most games, but for this... I feel like it's a huge improvement. It makes the fighting way more smooth and responsive. And honestly, it looks great. Like, yeah. it looks good enough to me. So I, you know, I think that's another big improvement, Rob, is the graphics are significantly improved. The load times are significantly improved. So uh, you could just jump right into it. Uh, I played one of those, that, that chapter where you're going up uh, Sector 5 or you're trying to infiltrate Shinra, um, and it was just amazing how fast it loaded and how stunning it looked in the performance mode. I actually, but I, I've never played the original Final Fantasy VII. I've been waiting for this remake for like 15 years. I've been holding <laughs> off playing the original. So I, I don't know what her significance will be. I, I'm getting hints here and there that the story may or may not be the same, but 
Oh. I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's they've they've cha- they've changed things in considerable ways. They've added stuff uh, for the better. Um, I I think it's if you play the original, you definitely get there's things that are very interesting. It's like seeing an adaptation, but you're like, wait, what what are they doing? Oh, now I'm intrigued. Um, it, it's very it's very interesting. If you have okay. Game Pass, uh, I think, or, or P- I'm not sure if Final Fantasy VII is on PC Game Pass, um, but that version it of it is it. Um, yeah, I believe so. It, that version of it had, I think, the Switch version as well uh, has cheats, uh, so you can like enable uh, like random encounters, level your characters up to 99. It just kind of blitz through the story if you want. Um, so that's a great way to just quickly re-experience that story. I say quickly, it'll still probably take you like 15, 20 <laughs> hours. But, yeah. um, you know, if you just don't want to do any of the grinding in between, um, that's another great way to experience that game. Yeah, and uh, just to move along, Samir, we were talking a little bit before we started this podcast, but you also have been playing the Ghost of Tsushima multiplayer, correct? Yeah, so they had an update to that recently, uh, a couple of months ago. I, you know, I ignored it when it first came out, but then me and my friends were looking for a nice multiplayer. So um, Ghost of Tsushima looks beautiful on PS5. And this mode is really like fleshed out and actually very interesting, has its own story, has its own enemies. Um, you get to pick different classes. They each play differently. The story... Um, it's almost like a zombie. I mean, th- there's different chapters, but the first one seems like it's like a zombie type story. Um, but honestly, just really fun playing with your friends. Um, how, you know, how far have you gotten in it so far? I think I've beat like three chapters. I'm not sure how long it is so far, but okay. probably like, probably over a couple hours in. So you guys haven't it. dipped into the raid yet? Oh no, I haven't done the raid just yet. Okay. Yeah, there's no, a raid I'm, in Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, so there's a raid in Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> the multiplayer, he mentioned the the story and how fleshed out it is. It is it is kind of clear that this multiplayer mode wasn't some baked on like add-on, some afterthought, right? This clearly was supposed to be part of the full package. But probably because they needed more polish and a little more time, they didn't want to delay the release of the campaign. They didn't release it at launch, and which is fine because the campaign, the game stands on its own two feet on the campaign alone. This multiplayer is much better than it had any right to be, honestly, and was one of the biggest surprises for me last year. Because that's another one where when I got the PS5 after beating Astro, uh sackboy's adventure and miles morales i was looking for things to to play so went back with my friends and we started playing that and yeah it's it's a great time and all the different classes play very differently so you can kind of and there's no limit as to who you go in as a group right it doesn't force you into four different roles so if you all want to go in as archers not the best idea (laughs) but you can right and so, yeah, I, it, it is a very, very good multiplayer mode. And I highly recommend it for anybody who has a game, hasn't thought about it, and is even curious about dipping their toes back in. Rob, yeah, have you done I the agree. raid? It looks great. I've done the, there's multiple parts to the raid. I've done mm-hmm. the first part of the raid. We want to, we've been talking about getting back to it to try to finish it. The raid is very well done. It's not convoluted on the level. I would say it reminds me of a Destiny raid light. So 
it's not as convoluted. It's pretty straightforward. You figure things out. I mean, there is some like, oh, oh guys, I figured it out moments, mm-hmm. right? But it takes like five minutes. It doesn't okay. take, it's dissimilar to a Destiny raid when those first come out or say like a zombies mode in Call of Duty, the Easter eggs, where people are clicking random things or doing random activities that you wouldn't normally do. Most of the time in Ghost of Tsushima when it comes to the raid, if you just sit there for a second and think about what's being presented to you, you can figure out the solutions to the problems. It is very well done. It is a lot of fun. And the raids, because it's broken up into different parts, the raids aren't these huge time commitments either. And so you can kind of sit down for an hour and knock out the first part. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the biggest problem with Destiny is uh, it's not always clear what you have to do. Yeah. And then gathering a group of people together and then this huge time commitment. How how many people are uh, required for the raids and ghosts? Four. It's four. Oh, much more manageable. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I still think the Destiny 1 raids and the early Destiny 2 raids are the benchmark, right? They're the standard for raids, in my opinion, even with them being as convoluted as they can be. Luckily, they did have a checkpointing system, right? But it's one of those things where like, yeah, you can do this in one gaming session and you feel accomplished versus having to stretch it out either over a four hour sit or two nights, right? So I do think that if I had to choose between the two, I like the way Ghost of Tsushima does it better. And so yeah, I highly I rem- recommend it for. I remember those late nights out. with Destiny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. See the sun and, coming up, just be like, we'll get it this time. <laughs> yeah, right. After a wipe, and you're just yelling yeah. at each other because you know that somebody messed up somebody where they didn't yeah. fulfill their role. But you don't want to call out that person. But then you're just like, you're trying to move them to with a different group of people just so it's no, like, oh, maybe right. this yeah. will work. <laughs> yeah, no, I call that person out. I don't care. <laughs> that being said, have you been playing anything else, Samir, or does that wrap it up for you uh, lately? I mean, that's pretty much it lately. Well, i also been playing through Pokemon Snap as well. Um, oh, okay. I don't know if you guys have been checking check that out or not, but... I. I haven't yet. The problem with me with the Switch in general is that it's such a, for me, it is a handheld slash console, but it's when I'm, when one of those isn't getting done, then I don't think about it as much. And so, especially with something like Pokemon Switch, uh, Snap, that is something that I would want to take on the go on flights when I'm traveling. And I just haven't traveled much in the past yeah two years right at this point or a year and a half at this point so yeah um i mean but i am interested how do you like it so far i think i think it's great um i mean a lot of it is nostalgia but yeah they've right. really improved on the systems and uh graphically it's probably the best looking pokemon game on the switch so i don't know if <laughs> i don't know about saying much <laughs> i mean it's not saying much but, but <laughs> that's, that's true but um if you know, if Nintendo hires these people for their mainline uh, games, it would be very exciting because it really feels like you're in a theme park, um, like you're on a ride, and then you know just getting those different pictures. Uh, it's still fun. And it still holds up twenty years later, the mechanics and the gameplay. Nice. All right, I'll have to give that a shot. Uh, Bilal, why don't you go ahead? You already talked about playing Final Fantasy. What else have you been playing? Uh, I'll start with the last one. Uh, so yesterday we started our first weekly stream series of Metroid. Uh, Metroid Mondays is what we're calling it. 
uh, and I fired up Metroid Zero Mission, which was a Game Boy Advance game that uh, I never got. I actually never played through an entire Metroid game. I played portions of some uh, over the years, and so I spent a good amount of time playing it. I, I'm actually really digging it. Um, you know, it. I know they call it Metroidvania, but I feel like if this is what Metroid was doing back on the NES, maybe Castle. I don't know why Castlevania gets to throw the Vania at the end. Right. Um, they do. I yeah, saw a tweet be- recently where somebody was talking about how Castlevania is that person in the group project that like just adds their name at the end of the project and, and contributed one slide, but yeah, they get because- equal credit. Yeah, because those earlier Castlevania games were side scrollers, and like they mm-hmm. they didn't switch over to like the what I I call it like a search, <laughs> uh, action adventure search <laughs> genre, like a ma- you know with the map looking for upgrades and stuff like that. Till um, much later on in the franchise, um, you know, Metroid did it from the very beginning, um, and, and you know it, it, it's a great time. It, it some of it. I do find it a bit clunky. Uh, I avoided streaming the NES version on the Switch because it felt dated, and I honestly, it was, the updates to Zero Mission uh, just felt a lot better. Like there's an actual map. I won't just get lost <laughs> running through this uh, wild planet. Um, but like last night, I got to this boss, which you clearly watched and enjoyed as I kept dying over and over again. And it's just like. I have to jump to the right frame, fire the missile, then fi- jump, fire it in its mouth while dodging a bunch of bu- bunch of bullshit. It's not as easy as it seems uh, with a controller in hand, um, I, but I'll get it next I week would, on I Monday. I would have one-shotted it. <laughs> I would have one-shotted it. No Which, doubt in my the, mind. Was that Kraid? Which boss was, it was that? It was Kraid, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I actually just played it recently, too, uh, on that modded Game Boy Advance I was talking about. Yeah. So that was actually the first game I went back to for nostalgia. That, that's a great entry point to the series too, because it's actually relatively short as well. So like, yeah, I hear it's like four or five hours. Yeah, yeah. So there's a point where you will get into so the nine groove for of it. Bilal. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So there's that, and then uh, Samir, maybe you're the right person to ask. But for Metroid Two, there was that fan remake that someone did off of Metroid Fusion. I uh. I forget what it's called, but uh, there's that, and then there's the 3DS version. Uh, which one would you recommend? Oh, I haven't played the fan version just yet, but I heard that was great. But I did play through Samus Returns on 3DS. So I- I'd recommend that. I mean, it's it's going to prepare you and hype you up for Metroid Dread, which I'm really excited for. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So the plan is to play through Metro, the main line Metroid games. So that would be Metroid, uh, Metroid Samus Returns, um, Super Metroid, Fusion, and then Dread. Uh, so I have my work cut out for me uh, in the coming months. Uh, and then the last thing I played was Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, the best PS2 game on a PS5. <laughs> Okay, I think that's doing a disservice to this game because I think this game is the best PS5 game out, period. Full stop. I don't think there's a better one than this one. And so I'm also playing it, finished it this morning. I want, and I think I said this before when we were talking about Psychonauts during the E3, is I want action platformers to come back in a big way, these mascot action platformers. Especially in the vein of Ratchet and Clank, where one of the things Insomniac does 
better than any other studio is come up with creative weapons. And it's funny because I didn't notice that DNA in Spider-Man until I finished this game. It was like, oh, right, all those gadgets in Spider-Man, that's perfectly tailored for what Insomniac does, you know? Granted, there's a little bit of source material to work with when it comes with those gadgets, but nobody makes them feel unique and different the same way that Insomniac does. Also, this game is gorgeous. Now, I will say, I played it in Fidelity. I believe that Bilal played it. I did. I No, Bilal played it, I believe, in... Performance ray tracing. Performance ray tracing. Now, if you're going to play it in Fidelity, I highly suggest that you go into the options after you go into the game. So in the very beginning of the game, it gives you the option of selecting what mode you want. But once you're actually in the game, you can press start, go to settings, go to the video settings, turn down motion blur, turn down film grain, turn off chromatic. There's, I wish, I wish, yeah, I wish games would stop having these on by default because they always look significantly better when you turn those off, especially motion blur. And you can actually just crank it down if you want. You don't have to turn it off completely. And so I cranked all those down to around three, four, five, around that range. And of course, like I said, chromatic aberration, I turned off completely. And that made a huge difference. For, so I switched over to Fidelity and I'm not sure if it's these additional filters that they threw on top. But when I put it in Fidelity, it, the game just felt like it was chugging. Uh, so it, it, it I, didn't feel like a smooth 30. Like, I played Miles Morales uh, in, yeah. in the graphic in the graphical mode. I Like, I thought the performance mode felt too buttery smooth. Um, but, like, so I, I, I'm, I'm fine at playing at 4K 30. But it was just... Some it, not just Ratchet and Clank, in Final Fantasy VII Intermission. I switched it over to uh, switched it over to um, the resolution mode, and it yeah. it it just it feels like something is broken. <laughs> so I can't speak to Final Fantasy, obviously, but yeah. I will say I didn't have that problem with Ratchet and Clank. Honestly, the way I played that game reminded me a lot of playing Returnal, where mm-hmm. I'm not aiming down sights, I'm dashing and. It was smooth for me the the whole way. And I'm usually pretty cognizant of the chug. And actually, we're going to talk about that in the game I've been playing a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have that problem at all. And I was actually worried because you had we had spoke before. And you might have even tweeted it out that normally you do prefer fidelity in a situation like this. But you had issues and it just didn't feel right to you yeah i didn't have that happen and maybe it is the extra filters and turning them off and stuff like that but yeah that being said you you played it in performance ray tracing and it was still fantastic looking yeah and and so it's like you can definitely see the uh, so between fidelity so there's three modes there's fidelity there's performance and there's performance ray tracing and so like as you go down from each one like I'm sitting close to an LG C1, so like I can see like the graphical downgrade, but it's still beautiful yeah. even at its lowest resolution. Um, the the game is absolutely gorgeous. Um, it, it's it's fun to play. Like when I say it's the best PS2 game on a PS5, um, it, it, it's not a dig to the work done by Insomniac uh, in this case. It's it's a wonderful game. It's 
I think one of the best looking games that, you know, we always had that standard of like um, Toy Story or something like that. And like this Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is a movie. It's a TV series come to life. The characters are great. Um, weirdly, the end of this game reminded me a lot of Avengers Endgame. Um, even some of the scenes, of it, I was just like, I was like, this, this is very similar <laughs> in, 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 in some ways. Um, but it, it, it was a good time. I just think the actual gameplay experience felt a bit hollow to me. It, like, maybe it's the normal difficulty, maybe it's the dodge mechanic. Like, it, it's, it wasn't too hard. Uh, on normal, it was pretty much a breeze. Uh, maybe if uh, I bump up the difficulty, I'll have a better time. Uh, I will or say I, more challenging. I will say I do agree that it's yeah. not the most difficult game, yeah. but I'm also, for me, the fun in Ratchet and Clank in particular is experimenting with the different weapons, is leveling yeah. them up, and so I don't need this game to be difficult. Honestly, most of my deaths came from platforming me rushing things. Yeah. Right. And so, but I do agree that this isn't a difficult game on the normal setting at all. I mean, most people will be able to breeze right through it. That being said, I appreciate that as well because it was one of those things where it wasn't that long. I mean, it was longer actually than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. How However, long it, it is still not the, forever? I didn't, I mean, I don't know. I didn't look at my play. If I had to guess off the top of my head, somewhere between 11 and 13 okay. hours probably. Uh, I did not platinum it. You did platinum it. Yeah, and and so credit to this game. It's I had a blast. I enjoyed the weapons. It's, it's like you said. Uh, and I think this is where some of my concern comes from. Like they give you a ton of weapons. All of them are yeah. very different and they're fun to play with. Like there's battles where you run out of ammo with like ninety percent of your weapons. You're just cycling yeah. through and trying to yeah. get through. And like it, it's fun. Like I enjoyed like seeing their leveling up. I had my favorites. Uh, I loved using like. Uh, the glove of doom to like throw these little minions that go around doing melee attacks and throwing the Mr. Fungi. Uh, and then it was just, it was just like I had a bunch of AOE damage around me and I could just run around and just like concentrate on what I wanted to while uh, my little minions did whatever they wanted. Um, it, it, it's cool like that, but like I think what I wish it did was I wish there was more strategy around maybe like certain enemies were weak against certain type of uh, gunplay or like. Maybe yeah, use there was a in more strategic way. Sure, there was a little yeah. bit of that when you faced when you faced enemies who had shields. It yeah. made more sense to say use like the ricochet mm -hmm. or a weapon that didn't do direct damage, so you get around those shields. But yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, but other other than that, like uh, one thing I do want to call out is Sony's remote play app on iOS. It's it's magical. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I uh, my sister in law had a baby girl. We went to go visit um, over the weekend. I brought my backbone with me. Popped my phone in, and I played two main chapters of like the two planets off that backbone. Uh, zero latency of any kind. Was able to run through the, some of the most hectic scenes. Um, it it was a great on the go game um, uh, for that use. So. You know, I, I'm I'm excited to see. I, I'm excited to see another Ratchet and Clank. Um, you know, I think the new characters they introduce are great with Rift, uh, Kit. Um, was Rivet. um uh, Rivet. Rivet. yeah, Rivet. Sorry. Kit. Was was Glitch um a, a new character? Yes, I believe so. Okay. And she's she's maybe the best new character. I mean, yeah. I I loved Rivet. I loved Kit. I loved Glitch. The one thing. One of the things I wanted to add on, and I was waiting for you to finish, is that 
I think the voice cast is fantastic. And the additions actually tend to outshine even Ratchet and Clank at times. Yeah, and even, I, some, of the, even some of the characters, the alternate characters they introduce yes. are really well done. Yes, I agree 100%. I think that the performances in this game and the animation in this game is better than any other first-party studio that Sony has. And I'm more than willing to put it out there that Insomniac is the best studio that Sony owns under their umbrella. And it's not even close. Damn. Anyway. Lucky for you, there's no Naughty Dog fans. But uh, that does it for me (laughs) uh, for this week. Okay, so... Besides that, what I've been getting into is, again, I'm playing Dead by Daylight. I, I talked about this before, kind of just got back into it the past couple months. And what got me excited the most was playing Resident Evil Village and then knowing that Dead by Daylight was getting this Resident Evil chapter. And so I picked up that chapter. It, chapter, it includes Nemesis. It includes Leon and Jill as playable survivors. And then what was a bit of a surprise to me, and maybe I just didn't see this, is they released cosmetics for Leon and Jill that make them look like Chris and Claire. So you can actually have a full four-man squad of Chris, Claire, Jill, and Leon. The one thing, though, with this chapter is it also introduced a new map, and it's the police station from Raccoon City. They had some problems where it was causing crashes, so that's been disabled. So I actually haven't gotten a chance to play on that map yet. But I think this is one of the best chapters they've done. The characters, both of their perks are a lot of fun. Nemesis, at first, felt like he was too strong. He felt like he was too fast. And the addition of these AI zombies that also interfere with what you're trying to do and help him out felt a little too strong. But just like any other killer when they're released. The more I've played, the more I've learned to kind of how to deal with them. You can tell that when Dead by Daylight introduces these established IPs into the game and bring them on as guest characters and guest survivors, that they treat it with care. There's a lot of attention to detail. There's a lot of love put into these DLC packs. And I'll continue to kind of trumpet the fact that they more people should be playing this game and they have crossplay and just by the nature of the game it's one of those things where crossplay works you know nobody has a distinct advantage i actually think that in this regard there are some things that controller players have an advantage i think it's much easier to kind of look around when you're playing as a survivor and kind of juke the killer having the thumbsticks and having the simple controls and it's that's another thing is that this game is really just a three button game and so it's super easy to pick up but there's a large skill gap right in the very best and those who are just starting out um i highly recommend it it is on game pass if anybody wants to try out and i've been talking to Bilal. one of the things that i want to do to stream on this channel is i kind of want to start streaming some horror games and just give me an excuse to kind of stream dead by daylight since i'm playing it as much as i am anyway and so Yeah, that's one of the things I've been playing. The other thing I've been playing that I want to talk about is Dungeons and Dragons 
Dark Alliance. You started it now, without me? Now, the funny, thing is, <laughs> the funny thing is I was actually, I was going to text you early this morning when I was going to mm-hmm. give this a shot because mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to talk about it. But because you're such a night owl, I figured it was the middle of the day that you'd be busy with, you know, work and stuff. So I didn't want to yeah. bother you. Yeah. That was a busy work day. That being said, I booted it up. It is available as of, came out last night at midnight or this morning at midnight, however you want to look at it. It's on Game Pass, had already pre-installed it, and right yesterday evening, I think, IGN drops their review, and they give it a 4 out of 10. And so already I'm a little bit, mm, my expectations have been tempered. You you let the establishment get to you, man. You let the establishment get to you. Now, I will say, I did go and read through the review. I didn't just look at the score. And so some of the complaints they had are the things that kind of made me bring my expectations down. I went in and I played, and my one of the things they said is not to play it by yourself. Play this co-op. So I played with my buddy Matt, and we had a public lobby. So one random joined us as well. We played through one level. And I played as the assassin class. There are four classes. There's the assassin, the ranger, the tank, and the like just kind of base soldier type class, right? There are things here. (laughs) So I think when the combat, when you're doing a combo, I think the combat, at least for the assassin, was very satisfying. The character designs are what you want out of a Dungeons and Dragons type game. The goblins look like what kids picture goblins look like. And so for me, I enjoy that. I enjoy the character design. I kind of enjoy the level layout. And I enjoy these kind of dungeon crawler action brawlers. You know, your Marvel's Avengers, stuff like that. This is also a looter game. Right, so you're getting loot as you progress. The one thing that bothers me though is that unless I just couldn't figure out, it doesn't seem like you can actually equip the loot that you pick up because what it does is you pick up, like it'll say common helm, rare helm, common armor, epic armor. Then it doesn't actually reveal what that piece is until you're out uh, and so okay. of the level. So you have this little hub world and you go and you put on new armor and equipment. And so that kind of bums me out because when I get it, I kind of want to see what it is right there, put it on right then and there. We talked about games chugging earlier and Mm -hmm. this game, it's not egregious in its chugging and its frame rate issues, but you can feel it, right? Anytime there's more than one or two enemies around, you can kind of feel almost like an input lag in some of your commands and then the lock-on system that they have doesn't work very well honestly it's kind of hard to even see when you are locked on for some reason it just feels like this game needs four or five more months of polish honestly and that there could be something here it just doesn't feel all that great i mean janky is probably the best word to describe what it felt like when we were in these combat um situations the other thing is is i i think one of the complaints was there seems to be a little bit of a balance issue i was going in and through most of the level i'm fighting these little goblins and i'm destroying them i mean they're not doing any damage 
And then I'd get to a bigger enemy and they would almost one shot me oftentimes. So I do think that there is a little bit of a balance issue when it comes to the enemy types and stuff like that. I can also, like I said, I only played one level. I could see this becoming repetitive in the way that the combat works. Oh, also the AI is dumb as dirt. <laughs> yeah. How's the, um, how are the character abilities? So like I said, I, yes, there are. So okay. each character class ha starts off with base ability. So the assassin, for example, they have like an ultimate ability, like any game in 2021. As you're dealing damage, you're building up the ultimate meter, and then you click the two thumbsticks on controller to activate that ability. For the assassin, it is like a spectral wolf that you call forth. And so that was cool. I mean, it's one of those things where it's still early. I was only level one. So it felt strong, but it didn't feel overly strong. Now, you, there are skill points. There are things that you can level up in the game. So I, I anticipate it getting stronger. Your base abilities that you start with, and I believe you can switch them out as you unlock things. With the assassin, there's a what they call blink, but it's just an invisibility. And then there is basically like, I can't remember what they call it, but it's like a blade dance where mm -hmm. you're being surrounded by blades and doing AOE damage that way. I thought the abilities were strong and fun, but because of the way the combat feels, Blade Dance in particular doesn't feel like there's any actual impact when you're when you're doing it. And so that's kind of a bummer. It just kind of feels like it's a passive aura. And so I do think that, like I said, I think with some polish, this game could be a good time, could be fun. But it is very much a... B tiered game, right? Or a single A, maybe double A game. This isn't a triple A polish. And it's unfortunate because you see this with Dungeons and Dragons now, but you also see it with the Warhammer license. They are just pumping these games out and none of them to this day, although Vermintide actually isn't that bad, but for the most part, there's way more hits more and more misses than there are hits. And it does kind of seem like the polish isn't being put into these games. And so, like I said, it's on Game Pass. If you want to go ahead and give it a try, you want to play with friends, I do think there is some fun to be had there. But I would not recommend anybody going out and spending their money on this game right now. I've heard it. it I heard it's also on PC Game Pass, but there's no cross-play between Xbox and PC. Um, and so that that's also kind of disappointing that in 2021 that that's an issue um but uh, but what about the level length you said it, you could see it getting repetitive like how long was that first level for you guys i think the first level was somewhere around 25 minutes okay. 30 minutes maybe so i it wasn't it didn't overstay its welcome as far as the first level is concerned i will say and in the very beginning, they do tell you, I believe in the tutorial, it tells you like how many missions there are. I unfortunately don't remember off the top of my head, but it does seem like there is some length there in this game. If I had to guess just based on that first level, and what it's probably, you know, in a nine hour game, 10 hour game. So again, it's not the longest game, but we've talked about this before. That's kind of the sweet spot for me. I think around 10 hours is kind of the sweet spot these days for me. And it is a looter game, so there is some replayability. I have to imagine also that as it goes up, and like I said, 
I only played one level, so I'm assuming here. But I would assume that there is going to be a little bit of grinding at some point just to balance it out. I can't imagine the type of game this is, you being able to just play through level after level without having to make sure that you get the appropriate loot for the, each level. Now, I will probably play this again at some point, uh, but if it continues to be as janky as it is now, I, I don't see myself playing it for much longer or putting any significant amount of time in it, really. Especially since we're, we talked about this last week, you know, with all the news that coming out of E3, we're not hurting from for games basically from this point forward. Um, there's going to be plenty out, and there's already plenty out right now. Yeah, and I think so. We're planning. I think what what's this week? Uh, this Friday is the twenty fifth, and we've got two major releases, or three if you can, uh, count Tony Hawk Pro Skater one and two on the Switch. Uh, you got the release of Scarlet Nexus on yeah. the PS five, Xbox Series. Uh, PS4, Xbox One, and PC, and you also got Mario Golf Super Rush uh, on the yep. Switch, which um, we are working on a stream for. Um, I there, there's got to be something we're planning for at the end of this, uh, but I think we might do a four-player uh, stream, battle golf, maybe regular golf, uh, get some friends in. Um, it should be a fun time. Like I said. It is on Game Pass, so if you did want to give it a shot and you have Game Pass, there's nothing to lose there. And hopefully this game does get supported and it does get polished. I think this is why Game Pass, one of the reasons Game Pass is so good, right? Like, obviously everything that comes in there, comes into the program, isn't a banger, right? It's not a 90, it's not an A, it's not a B. You know, you are getting some Cs, you are getting some stinkers, but... This is the type of game where just because I saw some flaws in it, I think this is the type of game that somebody could find it and have a good time. And so, you know, like I said, I will probably report back in again on this game after giving it a little bit more time. But I did want to give my initial impressions just because it did come out today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can't in good conscience recommend anybody go out and spend money Yikes. on it. Do you think it uses the D&D license well or like if well, you're a fan of the franchise is it yeah so pay off? I, I can't speak to that because I've although I've recently developed a want to get into D&D &D, especially since kind of started as me getting into boutique board games and then starting to go down that path and now I'm at the point where I do want to do something D&D &D related and I actually want to try my hand at DMing. And so, but I can't speak to it just because I don't have that knowledge. My understanding is that based on some of the reviews, now I did read other reviews outside of IGNs and they seem to be all over the place with the highest being somewhere around an 80 and the lowest being the IGN one at a four. And so, which would be a 40 on that scale if we're talking hundred point scale. And I did see some reviews where they said that the license and the stuff you expect out of D&D is there. And so I will say that the opening cin cinematic lore that they presented seemed nerdy as hell. <laughs> and so uh, maybe if you are a big fan, maybe this is for you, right? Maybe you can overlook some of the complaints that I had. Well, that wraps up what we've been playing. Let's go ahead and get into the news. We actually have a decent amount of stories to talk about, but I think a lot of these are going to be 
us mentioning it and moving on. Yeah, right. some of them are really quick stories here. Yeah, so the first one I want to talk about is actually, this came out today, correct? This post yes, went up? Yeah, so I saw this sure. earlier. Yeah, so Xbox put out news that the design for Xbox program that they started talking about leading up to the release of the Series X now includes monitors specifically and the headline right here says introducing new design for xbox monitors unlocking the true power of hdmi 2.1 on xbox series x and s so basically what it is this whole design for xbox program is more or less a little guarantee that hey this was made with features intended for the xbox we have either tested it or trust our partners and worked with them closely so that it will bring out what you need in 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 for the xbox some of the things I, they showed i really up, i really wish this article had dropped maybe like two weeks ago before you bought that LG, you, yeah yeah you bought uh, a tv recently? so i my main tv in our living room is an lg c9 uh it's the, it's the oled it had the hdmi 2.1 ports and i was using that but the problem tends to be that my wife uh uses the tv at night and I can't sit there and play game games all the time so most of the time I'll be gaming in the middle of the night but I wanted something for the office and because of the baby room being constructed we cut my desk uh, I had two monitors and she's like oh why don't you get like a ultra big ultra wide now if I was gonna get something I, I have a 4k 60 HDR monitor uh, from Acer it's the predator um, that I've been using it doesn't have a 2.1 port on it so it doesn't come with like the variable refresh rate uh, it'll do HDR by 1 to 120 hertz even though the monitor can do 144 hertz with a PC so I tried to look for something that could stand in the way but there weren't any 2.1 monitors so I ended up just right. getting a 48 inch LG C1 which is this year's model uh, I'm popped out like the light shining at me right now is literally a giant 48 inch TV screen. <laughs> um, and so I, 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 I'm using that. Um, and the thing is monitors are expensive. Like it, uh, if I scroll down, you'll see some of the cost of these things. Like this is a Philips 55 inch, which is a TV. Yeah. Great. That, actually, uh, this, let me yeah. just, let me just go over them actually quickly. Yeah. So the ones that they showed off, and obviously these are just some, there are more that will be part of this program, but the ones they showed off is the Philips Momentum, a 55 inch, which actually has a sound bar built into it. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, and so this is retailing for $1,599.99 starting this summer. And it's one of the things, HDR yeah, one of the things you're see here. Yes, and so you, one of the things you're gonna see is that this is the price range we're looking at for these monitors and these TVs. The next one they showed off is the Asus Strix Xbox Edition gaming monitor. Um, that one actually doesn't have a price yet, but again, all of these do 4K at a 20 hertz, at 120 hertz with HDMI 2.1. They support AMD FreeSync, which is what the Xbox, even starting actually with the, I think the Xbox One S and One X also mm -hmm. supported uh, FreeSync, but the Series S and the Series X support FreeSync as well as VRR. Uh, the, I believe the PS5 also does FreeSync. I'd have to look that up, but I, I think... I, 
I thought uh, that it doesn't support it yet, that it's supposed to support it, but that's not actually enabled. Now, I, I could be wrong. I'll, I'll check that but, out if you want to. Oh, wait, yeah. I am controlling the screen, so never mind. <laughs> oh, okay. So <laughs> yeah. the other thing the other thing they mentioned was the Acer Xbox Edition gaming yeah. monitor. This is a 28-inch monitor. This one is $949.99, so $950 US dollars. This is the one out of all of them that interests me the most because you were talking about wanting looking at monitors and monitors not having the HDMI 2.1, mm-hmm. at least most, and it being a fairly well, newer standard. No, and, none of them, like none of them have 2.1. It's, right. This is like and the first, so, this one along with the Asus up top or uh, are like the first ones I'm seeing. And so this one again supports 4K at 120 Hertz. Now this one doesn't have as bright of an HDR uh, color gamut. And so the, the, yeah, again, the brights just aren't going to be as bright as what you would get on the Philips TV that we mentioned. Mm-hmm. That being said, I've been looking at upgrading one of my monitors because I actually have a, I have a 4K HDR main monitor and that's what I've been using to play the games when I play, when I stream for the channel. I want to upgrade the other one because I do want to get... I was looking at just getting something that could do 1440p at uh, 120 hertz, but they're all priced close to this, um, and they don't even support some of the features that this supports, and this one being a 4K at 120 hertz. And so this is very tempting for me, although still a bit on the pricey side, especially when you consider that you can get a 40-inch, you know, uh, 48-inch, not the C1 that you got, but... The CX, C10, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for, you know, not much um, more than this, yeah. right? I, and, like, and even, so. like, if, and if you're not trying to get, like, this year's models for, like, the LG OLEDs or even some of the other uh, TVs that support HDMI 2.1, you can get them yeah. for around a grand. And, like, that's where, like, the monitor stuff so, gets a bit difficult because yes. it's pricey. So one of the companies that I highly recommend whenever someone asks me for my advice when it comes to purchasing a new TV for the home, especially when it comes to gaming, is you can get a TCL 6 series, which actually does support HDMI 2.1, VRR. You can get a 65-inch for not much more than what this costs. And so actually the problem is getting a screen this small for yeah. with the features that this one has. And that's actually where the dilemma is. Uh, runs and that's why you see such high prices at screens this small that being said i think it was lg who recently announced at ces that they are working on finally having oled um, screens and displays and samsung's also working on that for monitors and to have it in the smaller sizes so this is just the beginning i mean we're going to see more and more monitors and um, smaller screens supporting these features they also showed off an HDMI cable that is certified. It is 32.8 feet and it's 64.99. Now, 64.99 is a ton of money for an HDMI cable. You can go on Amazon. What's interesting here is the length of the cable because this is the longest certified cable to actually be able to support the 4K at full 120 Hertz um, over HDMI at this length. 
And so I, could, I can tell you when I was ordering HDMI cables, uh, 2.1 cables, yeah. that it was a nightmare reading through reviews, trying to figure out exactly what I needed yep. uh, to get it set up. 65 is pricey, so I'm hoping that price comes down as competitors step into the market. But um, I mean, it, it, but if your setup requires a 32 or 33 right. foot cable, yes. I mean, it's there I mean, and it's nice to have yes. that option. I mean, this isn't going to, this particular cable isn't for most people. Yeah. But that being said, uh, hopefully we get some different sizes still having this designed for Xbox being part of this program. So we do get that certification. I mean, the cable they included with the Series X is rated and certified for HDMI 2.1. So, I mean, for most people, this isn't going to be a necessity unless you do need something of this length. Now, let me get our next, next story. story. Okay, so this is another one since we're here in Microsoft yeah. land. Um, Why don't you go ahead and as, talk about... Uh, yeah, uh, just ahead. as a heads up, the stories are in no rhyme or reason. I just kind of throw them into a sheet. So don't expect it to be in some sort of chronological or uh, recent news order. Um, yeah, but let me talk about this one. So uh, today I was browsing through Resetera. Uh, and I saw a forum post come up that uh, somebody was playing Rainbow Six Siege on uh, the Xbox uh, cloud gaming. Uh, and they realized that if they went to settings, there was options to play like at 120 hertz, like stuff you'll see on the Series X. And so what quickly came out was uh, that cloud gaming, uh, it, th those blades came early. Like Microsoft the last week said, it, give them... In a few weeks, they'll come. Uh, they'll be coming out to be upgrading those cloud gaming servers, uh, and it turns out it was just a couple of days uh, for it to roll out. So uh, I've seen people talk about Siege, uh, Gears of War, Hive Busters, um, Sea of Thieves, Yakuza Like a Dragon, all those with options um, that you would normally see on a Series X. Um, yeah, and so like one, this was one of the first tweets uh, from. Clobril on over on Twitter, um, yeah, just proof of six uh, Rainbow Six Siege running on NextCloud with 120 uh, frames per second option. Um, yeah, same thing with uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Uh, really neat story. Uh, I'm glad to see this happen. Uh, one of the things like I didn't get to mention during Ratchet and Clank is um, these new consoles. The load times are non-existent. I know Samir yeah. mentioned it in Final Fantasy Intergrade. Um, like Ratchet and Clank, you boot that game up cold, and you're at the main menu in like two seconds, and you're yes. right in the, uh, as soon as you load. And like my problem with cloud gaming, because it was using I think the One S uh, as its core before, the yeah. load times were atrocious. Like I would sit right, there and I'd just be like, what am what am I doing? Um, it, it's almost become unconscious, uh, like. Like it just slowly crept that like I don't expect load times anymore and it's crazy because I've been so accustomed to them for so many years. But like this new generation of gaming with the SSDs, uh, it, it's nice to have like these super fast speeds. Uh, and so I, I have yet to test it out. Maybe I'll test it out this week and talk about it more next week. But um, that was one of my biggest complaints with cloud gaming. And so hopefully this fixes a lot of that and some of the issues I ran across. Is that a subscription yeah. or what? How do you? Access so if you cloud. have Game Pass Ultimate, um, I believe you, 
I think it's ultimate. Um, yes, you have it is. Access. Game Pass Ultimate. Yeah, so you can just go. So actually, if I do this right now, I go Xbox. <laughs> so what it does is play. Game Game Pass Ultimate includes yeah Game Pass for console, Game Pass for PC. It includes EA Play, right? That's what it's called, EA Play. Yeah. And it also includes their cloud streaming. And they build the cloud streaming as just an additive feature. So unlike those other three, which you could get out separately, this is the only way to get the cloud streaming. And it works. When it works, yeah. it works really, really well. The downside being, yes, because it was on those older blades, the load times are the thing that really got me. You know, And so just seeing an improvement in that, we're going to see improvements in resolution, you know, in infidelity, yeah. in frame rates. But low times are the ones that actually impacts. So let's just, let's on just a, do this. On, like, on we, we can literally yes. just fire this up. <laughs> um, especially, right, especially when it comes to this cloud gaming, because I'm sure you're the same as me, Bilal. I don't expect it to be the same thing as playing on my console, you know, having yeah. it there locally and natively. But it's still very good. Right. And so the one thing I can forgive a little bit of buffering and stuff like that here. The one thing that always makes me not want to play it is the low time. So if they can kind of trim those downs, I mean, it's it's a game changer. Yeah. So, I mean, I have my elite controller synced up. It's loading in. Um, you know, it's didn't have to install anything, which is like also nice. Just being able to jump in uh, and seeing what it's capable of uh, doing. Um, yeah. It, it's it's a really neat thing. Like uh, Samir, have you tried any um, cloud gaming options? Uh, I tried the trial for uh, Google Stadia, and that wasn't that bad. But their selection of games just wasn't too exciting for right. me. Except maybe Destiny, but Destiny I already had a copy of. So I mean, that yeah. was running pretty well. But um, I didn't try like a, a heavy game, like a first person shooter or something like that. That would really test the limits yeah and listen i'll say it again the best part about the cloud streaming the xbox cloud streaming is that it is additive right there was something about i also i have a chromecast ultra and the stadia controller there was something about either having to pay for the subscription for pro or having to buy the games separately and knowing that it wasn't going to be it's the same price as buying for my console and it's not going to be as good because there are going to be times when it buffers. And the resolution on Stadia wasn't 4K, even though they had advertised that the pro members would get it at 4K. They weren't doing that at launch when I was trying it out. And so it being additive, and you can see Bilal going through it right now. And listen, you saw how quick this booted up and, there's, and was like ready zero, to go. There's zero latency on any of this. Um, yeah. This is actually pretty amazing. Um, yeah. And like you know, I said, and, and, and like and it pulled my Xbox and PC save. Like yes, that yep. that's the crazy part. Like this is my end game. Like everyone's at level ninety nine. Uh, I've gotten every achievement. It, it it's pulled, it, it's, it's pulled all of it. Uh, so like you know, it's all right here. Um, so and, and since we're, it, it's flawless. Like and it's cool because seeing these options here. Um, so I think it's, is there a graphical option here? I'm not sure where it is. Maybe it's not in this version, but a oh, graphics option, normal, high resolution. So if I go back now, I think it'll be a little bit choppier, but definitely improvement on 
yeah, it's not as smooth uh, for 60 frames, but it is. It looks better. It's running just fine. Yeah. Since we're and talking about cloud games and cloud streaming anyway, I'm just going going into the next bit of news. Xbox hires Portal dev Kim Swift to make cloud games. Oh, yeah. Right here we go. Yeah. So uh, the company's Xbox division announced today that it's hired former Stadia game design director Kim Swift to oversee cloud gaming collaborations with independent studios. Again, they talked about this before E3 when they got that news out about having apps built in, installed on TVs and working with TV manufacturers to kind of have the cloud streaming built in, releasing their own media stick in the vein of a Fire TV stick or a Roku device. They are going all in on, and I said this at, at, during the E3, they are more or less a services company that now has different hardware options for you to experience their services. And their service is Xbox Game Pass, you know? Yes, they allow other games and stuff, but that's the selling point for them. And so cloud streaming being a part of that and just allowing them to reach out to an even larger market where mobile gaming is more popular, where the infrastructure is there for, you know, cellular more so than it is on many parts of the US. It's a smart decision for them to invest in something like this and to try to future-proof themselves, right? Um, what was I going to say? There is some, one of the studios that they are reportedly or rumored to be working with is actually Kojima's Kojima Productions. And so um, that just shows you just how serious they're taking cloud gaming. And it's funny because I'll Kim Swift is like the only person from the Portal team whose name I know and recognize. And she had left Valve and had released another kind of like puzzle game on the Xbox 360 arcade, I believe it was, Quantum something or another. Quantum, and it always just Oh well, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. It always just sticks Conundrum. in my head. I remember, Quantum Conundrum. Yeah, I always remember being super excited to play that game because it was from somebody who worked on Portal. And then playing it and being like, okay, this is fine, but it's just not portal level. Anyway, sticking with Xbox, the biggest news for me this week and the one I'm most excited about is the Xbox Design Lab is back. You can go in there and customize your Xbox Series controllers with custom colors. This thing, even if you don't buy anything, this thing is so much fun to mess around with. I told my friends in our Discord, in our Discord group, the group of friends that I play games with, when this went live and sent them the link, and our Discord was just flooded with people coming up with their own custom creations and their own riffs on what a Black Panther controller would look like, what an Iron Man controller. I designed a Teenage Mutant and Ninja Turtles controller, which was base green, and then different parts of the controller had purple, orange, red, and blue to represent different turtles. And my favorite part about all this is when Microsoft releases one of their limited like color controllers, so the Shock Blue or the Electric Volt Yellow Green that they released recently, they price those at $64.99. To go in and customize your own controller here, you can customize the front, the back, the bumpers, the triggers, the thumbsticks, 
and the D-pad, you can select from a variety of colors. And then they have different options for the buttons, the face buttons, including the share, start, select, uh, or view menu, I think is what they call them on the Xbox controllers. It's If you don't add any engravings, it is $69.99. So they only charge a $5 premium to go in there and make this custom controller the way you want it. And you can get it engraved, I think, for another $5 or so, depending on how long the engraving is. Yeah. You go to websites like Colorware or any of these other ones that do custom stuff, and they're charging you $100, $120. Yeah, it's double the price. The, yes, exactly. Yeah. The fact that they only charge a $5 premium and you can go in there and customize your own controller. Honestly, if you're in the market for a new Xbox controller, this is the way to go, you know? Have either of you messed around with it at all? I, I mean, I know, I Samir, you don't have an Xbox right now. So. But I, I do need an Xbox controller for the PC. So okay. I have messed around with it, but um, haven't pulled the trigger on any specific color combination just yet. I like the the gray and the blue and then going crazy with the colors on the triggers. So, But not sure yet what, what's going to work. What about you, Bilal? Did you mess around I, with this at all? I, I did. I, uh, so I actually ordered one in the past before the program uh, uh, shut down uh, for my cousin uh, as a present yeah. when he got his Xbox One X. Uh, so we got him a controller made so him and his brother could play together. Uh, we got his gamer tag put on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, when this one launched, I start messing around with uh, creating a work print one because I wanna, kind of want to do a giveaway uh, for like uh-huh. a work print themed one. I think I shared a picture with you, but I don't want to mess with Discord. I might mess up yeah, yeah. <laughs> the video feed. Uh, but yeah, no, it was it, it, it. It's a really cool system. It's nice and easy to use. You can go in, you can customize uh, the color of the thumbsticks, the D-pad, uh, the pause menu share button, uh, the face buttons, the shoulders, the triggers, and the back and front plate. And this there's is, a lot. This is, you, you can make, this is two weeks in a row yeah. that Bilal has repeated exactly what I said 45 seconds after I said it. That's how you know that he's too busy producing and trying to get this going on. That he's only passively listening to what I say. <laughs> I passively listen even when I'm not producing. Oh my gosh. But yes, no, it is. I mean, just go in there and mess around. It's a yeah. lot of fun just to see what you can come up with. I mean, some of my friends were coming up with a Buzz Lightyear-style controller. Like, there really is a ton of possibilities. And it is the updated controller, which is nice because it will also have the Bluetooth capabilities to use on PC or use on mobile. And it will have that share button built in. I also have a custom controller from the last time when the program was open, when it was the Xbox One controllers. And they also had a partnership deal at the time with NFL, so you can get the logo for your favorite nfl team so i actually got a philadelphia eagles one that had my gamer tag engraved at the bottom and so i was already a huge proponent of the program and it is something you mentioned below that you made one as a gift for somebody this is something that in the future when someone's birthday or a celebration comes up and i need to get a gift and i know they play this is kind of my go-to gift from here on out absolutely it's a great gift idea all right that kind of wraps up all of the Xbox News. Bilal, do you want to go ahead and start getting into some of the many Final Fantasy stories? There's two more Final than Fantasy one, stories. Wait, more than one Final Fantasy story is many Final Fantasy stories, in my opinion. So, so I brought in, the, uh, brought in the second one because of the first one. Uh, so the first one is uh, Cyber Group, a Paris-based uh, um, studio, is 
co-developing and producing, along with Square Enix, an adaptation uh, of Final Fantasy IX targeted at kids between 8 to 13 years old. So, you know, this is perfect for all the adults out there. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, it's going to be the 40-year-olds that are screaming about uh, how they weren't true to the story. Um, and it's interesting because Final Fantasy IX has the most animated, uh, I think it's the most animated Final Fantasy from the PlayStation era. Uh, I know a lot of people complained about it at first, that saying it was a bit too kiddy, but I think it had a lot of character and a pretty dark story <laughs> to go with it. Um, yeah, uh, I think it's really cool that they're doing something with the, uh, you know, we see more and more uh, studios doing stuff with television. We have Ubisoft partnering with Netflix for, what did we say? It was a Splinter Cell series. There's a Blood Dragon series coming out. Um, you know, Castlevania has been huge already over at Netflix, and that's getting a spinoff with the Belmonts. Uh, have you checked out any of the animated TV yeah, game stuff? Yeah, uh, I really liked uh, Castlevania. Just finished that. So I thought that was a great adapt adaptation. How was that final season? I heard things where people are like, "It's a bit slow," but it gets it gets there at the end. I mean, the action uh, and everything about that is amazing. The story for me peaked at the end of season two, and this sort of felt like an afterthought. But some of the side characters get great endings. So if you like, um, you know, like Isaac and Hector. And some of the vampires, if you like their story, then they get great endings. And then the final, the final fight was just amazing. So was it, did I feel like the season was necessary? Not really, but was it still a fun ride? Absolutely. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, I know, I know Christian who writes for the site has been pumped for that. I, I was talking to him about that spinoff. So I'm uh, curious how that all works out. I know Adi Shankar, who did, I think believe he's a showrunner for Castlevania. He's also doing the Devil May Cry series as well. Um, so curious to see how that turns out because Devil May Cry can go to some wacky places. Um, in the same vein as Keeping with Final Fantasy IX, uh, there's a cool fan project I wanted to highlight. It's called the Final Fantasy IX Memoria uh, Project. Uh, and it's a reimagining of the game using the Unreal Engine, uh, and it looks absolutely gorgeous. Like, uh, there's a tweet uh, with a bunch of images that I want to pull up really quick. Uh, Dan, Adder. they put out a few of these. Nope, that's not it. But uh, I'll just show this one. But like, yeah, this is what they're going for with the style. Honestly, it feels like the anime, like what the animated series would look like. Um, I usually don't follow fan projects too closely um, because most of them are Nintendo related, and then we always get that Nintendo <laughs> season shut down. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it, it's always heartbreaking. But uh, it, it, like they, I had to find the series of tweets. I thought I, I thought it was part of this article, but I guess it's not the case. Um, oh, where did I jump? Um, but like the work they've done just in three months with like this image alone is absolutely stunning and like they're updating the character models as well um oh yeah here we go the three month progress didn't scroll down far enough so this is what this is the image on the left is what they did three months ago uh, on the right is like what 
you know, where, how far they've come. And it's just like, it's really cool to see the work uh, and fan effort that goes in. Uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's like what you said with Final Fantasy VII. That game is over 20 years old, I think now. And it's just like, we're going to reach a point where we can't expect people or kids to go back and play those games. Uh, I, I have a hard time going back and playing some of those games now. And so it's just like seeing either fans reboot some of these projects or um, even studios that go back and remaster them. It, it, it's nice to see um, it, it, a new way to experience it. And then they can go back and uh, get that treatment they deserved uh, in the long run. And that does it for the Final Fantasy section. Thanks for joining us again, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I don't, you know, Final Fantasy VII Remake is the first Final Fantasy game that I've played through completion. It might be the first one that I've ever even started, if I'm being 100% yeah. honest. So I just don't have much to contribute. I don't have that nostalgia or fandom. And while I enjoyed Final Fantasy VII Remake, I wasn't enamored by it. I'm not looking to get into a deep dive. So... I just don't have much to say on that. So that's why you're here. I'll let you handle that. All right. I'm going to try to run through some of these other stories uh, quickly, and then we'll get into some that I think we can talk a little bit more about. So first one is Pokemon Go creator Niantic announced that they are taking on Transformers next. Transformers Heavy Metal is coming to mobile in 2021. Now, do you- I'm angry about this have, one. Uh, either of you have any interest, you're angry about it? Yeah. Can, can I tell you why? Okay. Yes, sure. The combat is turn-based. No way. Yeah, it's turn-based combat, that, and Pokemon Go has you tapping on the screen. Well, listen, you have to expect that they've learned lessons, right, from Pokemon Go, and it's still there. I feel like Nintendo Turn-based should come to Pokemon Go first, and then they can do Transformers. <laughs> yeah, sure. I feel sure. like Nintendo purposely sabotaged the, the fighting system in oh. Pokemon Go just to make it different from the mainline games because they already like why you know what's the statement like if it ain't broke don't fix so yeah yeah right and that game pulls in so much money on the app store already so i i do i'm not in love with these screenshots or these character designs obviously this isn't a game targeted towards me anyway so i yeah i'm not upset (laughs) that they went turn-based so what, where they, what, what's the story on this? They team up with... You join a group known as the Guardian Network and team up with the Autobots to challenge the Decepticons. Players will uncover hidden regions across Earth to find resources and battle Decepticons in turn-based battles. See, okay. here's the problem. Yeah. What they should do is just like you can pick teams in Pokemon Go, let me pick if I want to be a Decepticon or an Autobot. Yeah. Don't, don't make me be an Autobot. Let me be a Decepticon. That's what I would pick. Anyway, let's move on to... The next story, I can't remember if I talked about this on the podcast or not, but I actually played through what was once an Xbox exclusive, The Medium, and liked it quite a bit. I like Bloober Team. They also did that Blair Witch game for Xbox. They did Layers of Fear. And I think that the games very much feel like smaller indie games, but they are well done and they all have a level of tension and stress. It, it, that kind of horror feel, right? More than, say, jump scares or anything like that. And I found the medium very interesting and the story they told made me want more of this. And so it's been announced that the game is now coming to PlayStation 5. Um, Bloober Team announced Tuesday that the game will 
be coming, and it's coming September 3rd on PlayStation 5 with a physical version on the way for PlayStation 5, Windows PC, and Xbox Series X. Now, this game is available on Game Pass. So if you do have an Xbox and you want to give it a shot, I highly recommend giving it a try. I think the whole, to beat the entire game, it took me five hours, six hours. And that's kind of the range of the games. Yeah. That's kind of the range of the games that they release. I mean, the Blair Witch game. I was was about to ask you that. Yeah. Do you, you finish the Blair Witch game? Yes, I did finish the Blair Witch game. The Blair Witch game was the last game I played that after I beat it, I kept thinking about it for days after. I had to go in and like look more into the game. And it also has some alternate endings. So I looked into what those alternate endings are. I, If you like those tense horror games where there's not a... It's not combat focused like Resident Evil. It's more about walking through the environment and there are some light puzzle solving and some light combat, we'll say. If you're interested into those type of games or into horror at all, and especially if you have Game Pass, give this game a try. I enjoyed my time with it. I thought the mechanic of basically going between the living realm and what's like the spirit realm is, is very, very interesting. And so they had advertised a lot of the whole like split screen dual reality aspect of that, but that's only a small portion of the game. You're really just going between the two, not necessarily the two of them at the same time, but it is still very, very cool. And I, I recommend it. Yeah. And it seems like from the trailer, they're also teasing a dual sense uh, integration for this game. Right. Which would make sense. I don't want to give anything away, but there is some very like, there's some gross stuff they could do with that DualSense controller, honestly, if they integrated oh, it. So, uh, moving on, FIFA Ultimate Team has announced that now they will actually show you the contents of the pack before you buy it. And so, I'm trying to think what else started doing this. Oh, it was Fortnite. Fortnite and their Save the World portion of the game, which is the cooperative survival aspect of that game they had loot llamas to start off where they were basically blind boxes they made a switch about a year and a half ago to telling you actually what the contents are in the pack itself and so here FIFA 21 ultimate team players may now preview the specific contents of each pack of cards sold in EA Sports extremely lucrative but heavily criticized mode I think more companies should be doing this now the catch here is that if you don't like what you have, then you have to wait 24 hours before you can preview another pack or buy a different one in its class. And so that is the catch, but more companies should be doing this exact thing, right? Even if it's just like, (laughs) Hey, these are, you have, you here's 15 of what could be in there. You're going to get five of them. That's still better than being like, Hey, there's a hundred in here and you're going to get five of them. Right. Yeah. My, so it's funny. My nephew was the one that came up to me. and was telling me about this story. He's like, he's like, it's not like gambling anymore. He's <laughs> like, you know what you're going to get. And I was just like, and I was like, maybe there's something like psychological here. Like if you can get kids or you could target kids and be like this, this pack is hot. And where kids don't normally spend, they beg their parents to be like, this pack is only available for 24 hours and it's great players. 
you can get him like that. Who knows? Th- yeah. That's my fear. That there's another way to target people that are weak willed. Right. They're going no, with that time based approach instead of the yeah. mystery. Yeah. But box. I also I also think there is an aspect of if I see the pack and there is somebody I want, I'm gonna buy it right then and there instead of wavering, right? Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if they end up getting way more buys out of this system than the yeah. previous ones. And EA I believe it was EA. Either EA or Activision, they hired somebody talking data, data analytics and stuff like that. They hired somebody actually looking at that stuff who their main job is figuring out how to, you know, bring in the money on these type of things. So if they make a move like this, they have the data to back it up that says, okay, one, this will look better in consumers' eyes. And two, it's probably going to make us more money. Could, could you imagine, like, I don't know if you guys were into Pokemon cards when they first came out in the States, but could you imagine just knowing, like, the shop owner's like, there's a Charizard and it's 100% guaranteed. You would just, you would run to your parents. You'd be like, Mom, oh, yeah. I need five bucks. Just give, give yeah. me five bucks. I would have left my sneakers on the counter and been like, hey, I need to get my sneakers back because I bought these cards with them. So give me the $5 so I can trade. <laughs> right. There's no way. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even let him pit it back before I grabbed it from him. Yeah. And so, but I mean, I think it's a cool move. Yes. I think it's a cool move, but I'm, I'm actually really more interested in seeing how this affects their sales yes and if they and if they there's a way they start or like if people start reporting like hey i'm starting to get really good packs and i'm buying more yeah no i mean we'll know in like four months no two months if this system works or not because when they released madden and they have their ultimate team if they're using the same system then you know that it's working for them yeah very true. Another bit of interesting news coming out is that Cyberpunk 2077 is returning to the PlayStation Store after being unavailable for more than 180 days. That is, I knew, <laughs> I don't think I realized just how long the game has been out and what a disaster it was, how long it's been. But the game is coming back to the PlayStation Store. And my I understanding it's, is it's out now, yeah. But they added and, a disclaimer or like a caveat. Yeah. Yes, exactly. A disclaimer saying that you should caution and know that it still doesn't run great on the PlayStation 4. And so they did add that caveat. Could you imagine, like, this is completely unprecedented. And it was already unprecedented when it happened, just them pulling it from the shop like that. But to yeah. then also have this disclaimer on it is insane. Yeah. So it says, important notice, users continue to experience performance issues with this game. Purchase for for use on PS4 systems is not recommended. For the best cyberpunk experience on PlayStation, play on the PS4 Pro and PS5 systems. Yeah. You know, I am so mad that I bought that game at launch. I have not played it at all because when all those reports were coming out, I decided then and there, like, I'm just going to wait until they actually have a series... X optimized version, right? The next gen optimized version, which obviously that those plans got pushed back because they had to fix the current gen ones. Yeah. Or I guess I, at this point, I played through gen. the prologue and I, I also decided to stop because I know that's probably a game that's going to get better over time. And some of those glitches just they break the immersion in the game. So, oh, did you play play on the PS Five? No, I played on the computer. Oh, you played on PC. Okay. Yeah. So I I played on PC as well, uh, and I played 
through the entire game. I did like all the side missions. Uh, I didn't do everything on the map, but close. I got a lot of it done. Um, it was a decent game, but like you said, yeah, there's immersion breaking stuff. There's some really random glitches. The driving was terrible uh, across the board. Um, a lot of the like, so there's like each area has like a fixer that gives you missions, and all that, all the details for that mission are kept in like te- text logs, and it was just like. So if you want to know what you're doing for that mission, you have to go and read this giant text log. But most of the time, I didn't care to. Uh, and the games like Mass Effect, I would go in and read that through that entire thing. But with Cyberpunk, it, it just didn't work with how they were doing it. But like the main story stuff, the main side character stuff, that stuff was fantastic. Like it was some of it was really well written. There's some emotional beats to it. But that game really needed another year um, in the oven um, for those systems to come together uh, for a lot of that to work. All right, sticking with Sony. Sony is looking for PS5 owners to test out upcoming features. So it looks like in a PlayStation blog, Senior Vice President at PlayStation Platform Experience explained that the company is looking to test changes being made to the PlayStation 5 platform as part of a major system update. Now, the it looks like this is going to be similar to the software beta program. And Microsoft already has a program like this they call it the xbox preview program that you can opt into where they test out features and they have different rings where if you're alpha ring you get the builds first but there's also a chance that there could be a ton of bugs and stuff like that so it looks like sony is just doing something similar to test out some of these features coming up which i think is i think it's cool i think more companies should do stuff like that and i actually was enrolled in the um preview program for Xbox for the longest time. I actually ended up opting out of it just because it kind of got annoying when I was trying to explain things to friends on how to find certain uh, menus <laughs> in the system and then realizing, oh, I can't tell you what to do because I'm a uh, update ahead of you, right? And so that being said, people looking to opt into this should recognize the fact that there is a chance that it could mess up your system and that there could be problems. So just be aware of that. The only reason I would really want to sign up for this is for that, maybe for that ability to pop in storage. An extra ex- yeah, the storage, storage expansion early. Yeah. But yeah. then I also don't want to be a beta tester for that. I don't. I don't trust them. <laughs> uh, listen, I don't trust them at all with that stuff, and so I'm a hard pass. I'll wait until it has room for I don't, like you have. It has room to it. intake extra storage, or is it like an external card? Yeah. So, so yeah. if you po- if you pop off the top of uh, the top case. Mm-hmm. Um, the there's side a, well depending yeah, on how you the have left, it the left, i guess yeah the left yeah, side yeah. there's actually like uh i think an m2 slot a, yeah there's a bay oh. and then you yeah. can unscrew there's an uh an m2 slot pitted in yeah but it's not active yet and um, knowing how much i paid for a two terabyte m2 on pc that was already high end but still not fast enough for right. what a ps5 needs yes they're not going to be cheap either it might be almost half the cost or maybe the cost of a console um it, yeah it, it's kind of ridiculous it, it has been pretty frustrating for me actually with the ps5 trying to have like yeah, modern we, warfare on there and then yeah. it's a game that's it's, that's the problem yeah. you have modern warfare, this is modern warfare is yeah. The problem, yeah no 100 percent. 100 percent. that game takes up so much space they need to like redo that game from the ground up like <laughs> i don't know what else they can do at this point but like 
base PS4s can't. I, I think there was a, a time where they couldn't run that game because they didn't have enough storage. God. So one story that I should have included technically in the Xbox section of news that we did is Ninja Theory gave an update on Hellblade 2. Basically, the gist of this update is this game is still a ways out. They have not gone into full production yet, and they seem to be going above and beyond for this game and making it as mm, authentic, but also as engaging as possible. And like I said before, I love that first one. So whatever it takes to give us something on par or even bigger and better than that one, uh, I'm all for. Yeah, and like... um. You know, Ninja Theory have said, uh, I think, Tamim Antonidas, the chief creative ninja at Ninja Theory, uh, said, you know, they didn't want to do a straight sequel. We want to do something extra special. And so we're making our lives as difficult as possible in that pursuit. Um, you know, uh, the art and audio teams are out there doing photography, photo photogrammetry, uh, and combining with satellite data to recreate large swaths of landscapes. Uh, they're uh, collaborating with Epic Games to bring you next generation digital characters on the combat front. Uh, they want it to be extra real and brutal. Um, I think they're also like scanning in actual outfits. Like they have somebody making an outfit and they're scanning that outfit into the game. Um, I mean, the, like that first game is like almost photorealistic. And like that trailer they showed at the Xbox re uh, Series reveal event. Um, that they said was like in game or in engine. Uh, I forget what the actual phrase was. Looked ridiculous. Uh, so, uh, I mean, like we just talked about cyberpunk. Take your time, do it right, get your vision out, uh, and don't compromise on that. Next bit of news Tekken producer confirms the death of Tekken Cross Street Fighter. We all knew this game was dead, right? This isn't a surprise. I mean, it's been more than a decade. And we've seen nothing now kind of speaking on it he did say that yeah development stopped and they only got about 30 percent done he also stated that the work that was done is kind of what led to them being able to get uh, akuma in tekken and get him running on the tekken engine so all of that work they did didn't go to complete waste it was used later i mean if you really want tekken versus street fighter you just play smash brothers now yeah <laughs> No, I mean, the, the whole point of it was being able to play those characters in that Tekken engine. I mean, yeah. Tekken plays like almost no other fighter out there. And so I was actually more interested in this than I was in that Street Fighter cross Tekken game that ended up coming out. And so if I go back in time, I wish this one had gotten released and the other one didn't, if I'm being honest. But yeah, I'm with you on that. That being uh, said, we we I mean, this isn't really news. We knew this Everybody knew this to be the case, yeah. you know. It's just like, it's just confirmation, you know. Yeah, and it's nice to just have it said and done. It, it's like Metroid Dread, where they right. uh, they did announce like I think years after the fact the game was dead, and if they were to bring it back, they had to redo a lot. Yeah, of it. I've been yeah. following that rumor for like now. Another quick story: years. Overwatch crossplay is now available. Competitive mode, though, still separates PC and console players, and players can opt out of it. Uh, I'm actually curious to kind of give this a try and see if I notice a difference playing against PC players. Overwatch isn't one of those games outside of the sniper classes. It's not one of those games where I feel like PC players would have a huge advantage just because of the nature of some of the abilities on some of these characters. 
And so, any yeah. of you guys still play Overwatch? Any interest in giving I'm, this a I shot? I mean, I'm curious if anyone, did, like, they really lost. I, I felt like everyone played Overwatch, and then Battle Royales took over. Yeah. And yeah. Overwatch right. did nothing to bring people back in. Uh, I'm not saying that Overwatch needs a Battle Royale or anything, but... Um, it, it, yeah, I think it, some they, were of doing, the, they were concentrated on Overwatch League, which is cool. Yes, was, but then they skewed to the competitive, which I, I is always fun. The, I think part of the problem is just the game modes; it just felt too samey, right? A lot of it. Yeah. And so, if if you didn't like one game mode in Overwatch, chances excuse me, chances are you just didn't like Overwatch. Um, that's the reality of it, and so. I, like I said, I am interested in getting back into it. I've kind of been having the itch with the fact that they announced the Overwatch 2 changes. I started watching a little bit of the Overwatch League recently. And they've just added so many new characters since I last played. So I am tempted, but I think I'm just going to hold off for Overwatch 2 and see what happens there. Yeah. I, it was just like when I did want to get back in, a lot of people were like the community is very toxic now. Oh, yeah, man. that's really that's that. Every, that's, I mean, that's every yeah. every community. Yeah. Well, Dota's the worst. Right. Another story. <laughs> another story that doesn't really apply to me. Looks like Sonic is coming to Minecraft in a new pack. Anybody here play Minecraft? Not really. No. I don't. But what's interesting about this is it actually feels like Sonic. Like so, the levels, the character designs. I like, I, I think. Yeah, so I think all the packs that they've done, they've done a very good job of making it feel like you're building in that world. Now, this yeah. is probably the best one to date. I agree with you 100%. I mean, it looks like you're in green... This trailer shows it looks like you're in Green Hill Zone. And the nature of Sonic kind of lends itself to Minecraft as well when you're talking about something like Green Hill Zone, you know? Uh, but I don't know if you ever tried out, like, the Halo pack that they had for Minecraft or... I think they had a Mass Effect pack as well. And so they tend to do a pretty good job with these packs. Does this have an, an announced release I always wanted uh, to like, get into Minecraft, but I, I guess I felt like I was too old by the time uh, it happened. Uh, I found a group of these Destiny Raiders. Um, they're a bunch of guys out west. Um, in college and whatnot, so I was the old man of the group, uh, and they were sitting there talking about Minecraft. I was like, oh, remember when we used to play Minecraft back in high school? And I was like, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah same. I, like <laughs> no, I, had, I, yeah. I had the same exact yeah. experience this past summer yeah. too. We're in my Among Us server. A lot of people just started playing Minecraft, and I was like, all right, I've never bothered to learn how to play this game. It seems yeah, fun if you're together. Had- yeah, my son plays and he's tried to get me into it. I've played a little bit with him. The problem is, is I play that game and I just, I just want to mine. Like I don't want to do anything else. I kind of just want to dig as far down as I can and yeah. just collect as much as I can. And he's over here building railroad stations and working trains and stuff like that. And I'm like, it's, you're just, I can't keep up. Like I uh, want to do that campaign. Like I want to go fight that dragon. Yeah. That, uh, right. Like I, when they added that story mode, that piqued my interest. But then it was just like. I don't know what to do, and I'm scared. Yeah, yeah, that is part of the problem. Yeah, and so this Sonic Cross Minecraft DLC is available right now in the Minecraft Marketplace, and it's available for seven ninety nine. I just checked out the trailer. It looks really good. I'm really, I'm really impressed. There hasn't been any good Sonic news for 
probably more than a year up until now. So yeah, no, a hundred percent. Don't get Sonic uh, too much credit there. <laughs> <laughs> the next bit of news I want to talk about is uh, the Pokemon Unite MOBA is coming to Switch next month, mobile later. I completely forgot they had announced a Pokemon MOBA. I forgot as well. I, I think I will check it out for sure, but seems like a ridiculous concept. <laughs> Samir, you want to join our team? It seems like you got that Dota. You have a lot of Dota experience. Oh, I do, you? yeah. I used to play Warlock in Dota, and with that one character, I'd have a 70% win rate. So, Oh my god. But I sucked at most other heroes, so people are like, you're only good at that. You're only good at Warlock. I was like, yeah, so what? <laughs> that's that's what you need. Listen, it's, it's, it's all that matters, as long as it's not banned out. Yeah. You don't need to dodge the queue. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's funny. We have somebody who plays a lot of Dota. We have somebody who played way too much League. Both of we've us. Got, Come on. Yeah, don't. well, you're, you're worse than I am. Oh, yeah. And then we've got, you know me and my smite addiction that for whatever okay. reason i can't quit and so maybe it's time for us maybe this is the one to unite all forces right there you go and, oh i didn't even mean to say unite <laughs> i hate myself now anyway i'm willing to give this a try it is free to play right uh, I, I believe so um it's a five yeah, it's five so we, we need we need two more we need two more people for yeah. this moba addiction um, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out yeah but this is something I'll, that i would definitely be willing to try out on stream. We can play together and, and do something. See if I can't find like a, an Ash outfit to wear. <laughs> yeah. All right. And, uh, and th th in, this is also on mobile, right? Mobile and Switch? Yes. Yes. So Switch is coming first and then mobile is coming um, okay. a month later. But there is going to be cross play between them as well. Yeah. Now, Netflix and CD Projekt Red are partnering for the Witcher convention in July. This was announced at Netflix's Geeked Week. Uh, they... Yeah, I don't think we got Sorry. to talk about yeah. it. Uh, right. Dory. So the event will be called WitcherCon, and it will be hosted by CD Projekt Red and Netflix on July 9th. I mean, I assume that this is mostly going to be them talking about Season 2, as well as the animated spinoff movie, and a new live-action prequel show called The Witcher Blood Origin. I'm curious as to what the CD Projekt Red portion of this is going to be. Witcher Four? Do you think that? I mean, happen? I, 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 don't, oh, I think they said they. I think they said they, they were continuing. Yes, they already said they were working on the next Witcher game. That there was a small team or a team working on it as well. My concern, and I just don't know how they come out and talk about Witcher 4 with Cyberpunk still being in the state it's in. We've created a new team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think no, this is going to be this is going to be very interesting. I can already see the comments being like, "Hey, that's great. Fix the other game," right? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe it just Witcher has the fan base where they don't care. They're just excited. They'll view Cyberpunk as them misstepping and moving away from Witcher and how when they should have just done another Witcher and who knows? I know that there's some people who are still very big CD Projekt Red fans. I have a friend who played Cyberpunk on the Xbox Series X and said that he didn't have quite the numerous problems that other people had, and he had a good experience, and he thought it was a very, very good game. So I'm more interested... I think I'm more interested not in what they announce, but the reaction to whatever they announce <laughs> is. 
I think that they're really trying to recover from the cyberpunk news. So I think that they'll be looking to announce some stuff ahead of time. I know one thing that they promised and we haven't heard a lot of news about recently is uh, updates for The Witcher on PS5 and Xbox Series X. So I don't know if that deserves a whole convention, but I, I definitely think there's news about that coming soon. Yeah, I completely forgot about that update um, for next-gen consoles. Uh, that's due out, I think, later this year? This yeah. Second, uh, second half of, yeah, 2021. So yeah. we're yeah. just about there. Level, yeah, honestly, out of this WitcherCon, I'm actually more excited for Season 2 of The Witcher. Um, that first season took a, a little bit to get uh, to hit its stride, but once it did, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and I'm really curious to see where Season 2 goes. And just like... That Henry Cavill love that the internet has for him. It's just, he's. Yeah. I, I hope in a year or two there's nothing that ever, co- like in the future, nothing ever comes out about him. Like, <laughs> he's terrible. He yelled at people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. He, he's just too All good. Right. So the last bit of news we have, and the news that outside of Design Lab being back, this is the one I'm second most or equally excited for is EA Motive is reportedly set to reveal a dormant IP revival at EA Play. We talked about this before E3, our E3 podcast, and maybe even at our E3 podcast, how EA wasn't necessarily partaking in the E3 festivities, and they were going to have their event a month later in July. So it looks like we're going to have this, sounds like we're going to have this reveal next month, and all rumors are pointing towards it being a revival of the Dead Space franchise. That would be hype. Yes, please. Please. I have been talking with one of my friends about Dead Space and trying to get him to play the games because they're all available on Xbox Game Pass Ultimate as part of EA Play. He is a huge Resident Evil fan, huge Survivor horror fan, and he's never played any of the Dead Space. And in my opinion, granted, three fell off a bit, but those first two are some of the best survival horror games ever made. And ones that I would be super excited to play again, even if this just becomes an announcement of, hey, we're remastering the three games. If they said they're remastering the three games and they're out this year, I'm that's I'm playing all three games. And I'll play all three on stream as part of the horror game night that I want to do. I, if they announce a new entry in the franchise, I think I'll lose it. I think that would be a top three summer announcement for me, including all the stuff we got at E3. Uh, I feel like I heard it's a new entry. Um, I don't think it's a continuation of three, but it's kind of like, it might not even be a reboot itself. It's just like another entry into Dead Space. I mean, the reality is for those people who are into Dead Space and even went beyond the lore in the games, I read two books in that in that were released as part of the, the lore. Did not know they had books. <laughs> yes. And so the whole idea behind the markers and them being located on different planets and stuff like that, just you can have games that don't feature Isaac. Now, don't get me wrong. Everybody loves Isaac, right? But the universe and just the concept of the markers and um, 
the necromorphs. That's what they're called, right? The, and it's necromorphs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's just so much that can be done with this, and they could absolutely bring out a new entry, uh, a set somewhere else. And they did do. And that's part of the problem, I think. What happened is they did do some outside entries. They had like a light gun shooter and I think a kind of like telltale choose your own adventure type game released as well that weren't as good as the mainline series. And obviously I think the mistake they made in three is kind of the mis- it's They took the wrong lessons from like Mass Effect where Mass Effect got more action-y as it went on, but still did it well. I think Dead Space kind of went too action-y in three and it stopped being survival horror and just turned into a full-on action game. Yeah, and like they... And then three, it was like that era of EA microtransactions as well. There was that crafting system, and hey, you could buy uh, microtransactions, uh, buy your resources, and then upgrade your weapons right. to become more powerful. Like that stuff was annoying. Um, uh, I didn't think it needed crafting as well. Um, the co-op was nice. Uh, I think one of my favorite things to do with my buddy Will, we never did finish this game in co-op, uh, was if you climbed up the ladder. And you just stayed on the ladder. The your partner couldn't go up. So if there was a monster chasing you, oh my God. you could just have him like freak out. Um, it 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 was a great time. Uh, I I wouldn't mind if they brought back a Dead Space uh, co op. Um, but I think if they were... bring it, I think if they bring it back, they have to do it right. There are yeah. games, and I talked about the Dark Pictures anthology games. There are games that do co op horror, and they do it well. Mm-hmm. I do think that for the most part, just because that game wasn't much of a horror game, in my opinion, that it wasn't scary for either side, you know? And so I think they can bring co-op back as long as they still bring the tension that you expect in a survival horror. I think it could be done right. And I'm, I would much rather play games with friends than play solo. That's just yeah. the type Same. of person I am. Yeah. And so I would love to play something like this, especially if they do it so that we are experiencing different things, which they did in the co-op for Dead Space 3. Because there's nothing funnier to me than somebody getting scared in your party chat and, and screaming, and then you getting startled by it from them screaming and just asking them like what happened and stuff like that like i always get a, a huge laugh out of that and stuff like that kind of happens actually when we play dead by daylight which is i think one of the reasons i love that game so much is you'll be off in a corner of the map working on your generator or your objective and then all of a sudden you hear somebody scream a high-pitched yell because they're getting chased and stuff like that and so yeah i would love for them to bring co-op back as well as long as it sticks to its survival horror roots and focuses on that first yeah. Um, so according to uh, Metro, two more sources have corroborated uh, information with Eurogamer claiming uh, they also heard the series is coming back via EA Motive. Uh, Gamatsu agrees, but adds the game will be a reimagining rather than a direct sequel to the original games. And I'm, again, yeah. I'm fine with that, right? You could honestly reboot this <laughs> and tell you can bring Isaac back again if you want and just tell a different story with him on a different location, but still have the core of the markers. You can have slightly different character design and necromorphs. Like I think as long as the core gameplay is there and the idea of 
strategically shooting the limbs off because that's what separates it more than anything yeah. else from these other survival horror games and it's something that felt great and was super satisfying in the gameplay one of the things we we're talking about is the one that dead space always did which is something that games do less of these days is you always knew when you were about to encounter a boss because just by happen chance there was a a decent amount of ammo right outside of a door that you were about to go in. So it was one of those things where you would see that ammo and you would go, oh no, <laughs> let me just take a step. Let me breathe before I go in and take care of this. And so I'm, I mean, I'm very, very excited. I hope this pans out. I hope this isn't, I just, I hope this isn't something else. Like at this point, this has to be this or else I'm going to be very upset <laughs> and which is my own fault. Right. Yeah. But, I don't remember too much. I, I, like, there's not much they need to do. Like, the blueprint is there. You have yes. two solid games, three kind of. Um, but uh, yeah, this this should be an easy home run for EA. Like, if they mess this up, it's they really need to reevaluate what they're doing. Um, for me, I, you know, if it's a reimagining and not a sequel, great because I don't remember too much about the story or the characters at this point. It's been almost. 15 plus years since that first one you're shaking yeah, your head it has been a while. i mean i just don't know <laughs> how you forget about isaac clark how you forget about the markers how you forget about i know that i know freaking clark. needle yes, right into yes. his eye so those are the three things i know <laughs> there's isaac clark there's the marker and then in the beginning of dead space 2 there's that giant needle that scarred me for life <laughs> i think it's towards the end of dead space 2 but yes it's in dead space 2 no, it's also his wife. Mm. I don't remember anything about his wife. Oh, that was like the whole point of the first. That's like the was pushing the along. Ship. Yeah, there's an abandoned ship with a marker on it. Yeah, and he's I, trying to find his. Maybe wife. that. Yeah. Maybe that's our series. Our that spooky yeah. game. Listen, I will play through that series again. Honestly, I, we might have to. Well, we could play three co-op, I guess. Yeah, but I don't mind sitting along and screaming. And I think that wraps up the news for this week right there's nothing else i didn't miss anything no uh, i mean we I could mean, talk about those blue box but i want to wait and see what actually happens with that blue box yeah the whole abandoned? hideo kojima abandoned oh yeah. it was a book it was a hideo kojima book at the end of the day oh really is that what yeah. it was oh um, oh i didn't see because did that I app release to... i thought that app was releasing tomorrow uh i don't think it's an actual kojima game uh i think Kotaku had a good write-up on it I'll see. All right, anyway, I don't even want to yeah. talk about it because this we'll whole talk thing about is nonsense. Next week. I am not yeah. a fan of that kind of stuff. We can t- we can talk about it next week. I'm not a fan of that kind of stuff, honestly. Yeah. They also and deleted so. their tweet, but what a, what a terrible tweet. Um, but yeah, I think that wraps, that about wraps it up. Uh, what was I say? Oh, Samir, you want to tell people where they can follow you, where they can find you? Sure. I mean, uh, I am streaming on Twitch at Samurai X, spelled Samir, E-Y-E-X. Haven't been streaming lately, but I'll get back on it. Um, but And then I have a Twitter Samurai. Not too much gaming stuff on there, but feel free to give me a follow. <laughs> Bilal, where can people follow you and follow the site? Uh, you guys can follow me over on Twitter at Bilal underscore Mion and Night Mystic on Twitch. Uh, you guys can follow the site at the work print on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram. 
I might be missing one. YouTube? Yeah, YouTube. There you go. Um, yeah, uh, give us a follow. Uh, and Rob, do you want to do the pitching for Twitch as well? With the, your yeah. Yeah. yeah, so as always, you can follow me at SunnyVice20, S-U-N-N-Y-V-I-C-E-2-0. That's Twitter, my Twitch channel, Instagram. I'm pretty much everywhere. We'll see if I ever end up on TikTok. But the one thing we I do want to say is thank you so much to everybody who's been coming out, watching the podcast stream, who came and watched me play the games demo of that yeah that came out of uh games fest on on xbox and stuff like that we had such a big turnout for us and we've gotten so much support that the channel itself has reached affiliate status which means that we can now actually make some money on this channel by way of subscriptions and bits etc and this is kind of a big deal i think Bilal and i were talking about this and i was talking to my wife about this I've wanted that dumb subscribe button for like 12 years. So granted, this is the first time I think that at least the two of us together have actually put in the work and put in the effort and decided that we're going to go for it, right? We're going to, one, do it because we want to do it and we love doing it. But two, if we're going to do it, we want to do it right. And so you should expect us to be streaming more often and trying to get more content on the channel. I'm still, we're still kind of working out what it is we want to do. Cause again, we want to do it right. And we want to try to have some fun at the same time. And so if you do have, uh, just a heads up, if you do have Amazon prime and you link your Twitch account to your Amazon prime account, you do get prime gaming which gives you one free subscription to any channel on Twitch, ours or anybody else's. We'd love it if you used it here. Uh, if not, just wanted to let you know that you do have that option. And so again, thank you guys so, so much. If you're watching the stream, you can see the giant smile on my face. If you're listening to the podcast, I'm sure you can hear the smile on my face. This was a big deal and I, I mean, I think we were kind of sh- shocked when we saw got that email. We were we weren't even expecting it that morning. It came through. Right. I think Rob didn't even believe me when <laughs> uh, <laughs> I first said it. Uh, and like, look, uh, I know these streams can go long, but for family and friends that do tune in um, to and join and comment and have conversations, it means a lot to us. Uh, and so yeah. you know, we appreciate you guys. Put us on in the background. You know, you might even just my wife throws it on her phone and is just yeah. like, like sometimes I listen, sometimes watching TV. You know, I'll check in and see what you guys are talking about. Uh, as long and as it's not the parts where I'm buying, talking about buying something expensive that she's not aware <laughs> yeah. of, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. And listen, honestly, if you want or interested in supporting us in any way, the best way to support us is to just tell other people they think might be interested about the channel and about the podcast. Yeah. And Again, yeah. thank and, you um, so, so much. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Uh, and yeah, the podcast, Apple podcast feed, uh, Spotify, leave comments, rate it. Uh, go, you know, helps with the visibility of it over time. Uh, so just search the work print on either Spotify, uh, under podcasts, or on the Apple uh, app. I think we're on Google Play. Uh, I have to double check that. It's been a while. Yeah, I think we're pretty much everywhere. Uh, Thank you, Samir, for being on the show. I always feel bad when we have guests sometimes when there's a ton of news stories like 
what we just went through this past week because it ends up being a lot of me talking, Bilal talking, me trying to move Bilal along and him ignoring <laughs> me trying to move him along. <laughs> no, uh, thank you for having me. It's, it's honestly, it's my, it's an honor. So, yeah, and you're more than welcome back anytime. And we should do something, especially since you are streaming as well on Twitch. We should try to do something where maybe we play something uh, together on yeah. our respective channels and stuff like that. Yeah, I love that. And so, yeah. Well, if you're getting Mario Golf, we yeah, might have, definitely. We might have something for you coming up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And until next time, bye-bye.